Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Fellowship of Grace. Glad you're here with us this morning. We have started a uh, four-week series that started last week on responding to God's gift. Uh, you know, this time of year always gets us in the Christmas uh, spirit, Christmas mood, makes us think about Christmas kind of everywhere you go, you see it. And so it's kind of fresh on our minds all the time. And so we wanted to just talk about this year, um, how do we respond to God's gift? Uh, God has obviously given us a gift. Uh, how do we respond to it? Uh, and today we're going to talk about responding to God's gift by giving. Respond to God's gift to us by giving back to him. Now, last night, if you missed our uh, uh, annual Christmas party, I'm sorry that you missed that. It was a great time. Uh, we always uh, have what I used to call at another church, Dirty Santa, but I guess that has a bad connotation. Uh, so we, we call it a white elephant uh, gift. So everybody brought uh, white elephant gifts, and, and usually it's like 50-50, 50% good gifts that people want to steal from others, and 50% that were kind of crummy gifts. Uh, man, last night it was like 10% good gifts and 90% just junk, you know, it was bad. In fact, this is my favorite one, the uh, batteries with the toys not included. That was kind of cool. Of course, for those of you who've got children and uh, have had some of them for a long time, you have met, opened many of those gifts, you know, on Christmas, no matter what, have lots of batteries of every denomination available, so that well, no matter what the kids get, uh, you've got batteries for them. I thought that was pretty funny. Pretty rotten gift, though, huh? You know, last week we talked about God's gift, and we're not going to spend a lot of time today uh, talking about what God's gift to us was, because we spent a lot of time last week talking about it. If you weren't here, you can go to our website at www.fogkc.com and uh, talk uh, or listen uh, about what we talked about last week, which was God's gift to us. Uh, but I want us to think for just a minute about it because I think it's important to get us uh, uh, kind of focused. You know, we think about this time of year, we think about baby Jesus uh, being born in a manger and all of that, but, but if we really are, are believers in Christ, if we have a relationship with God, uh, we also think about the crucifixion. And the ultimate reason that Jesus came to the earth uh, was to go to the cross and pay for our sinfulness so that we can spend an eternity with God. So if this is the key to Christmas, why in the world talk about giving? Why in the world should we even be discussing giving? Uh, by the way, if you're a guest with us today, uh, you know, we don't talk about this every week. Uh, you know, there's, there's virtually hundreds of subjects uh, that we don't talk about every week. We don't talk about this every week, but we need to talk about it a little bit, and I think it'll be clear why we need to. But I think one of the reasons is because God's given us a clear standard. In John 3.16, which many of you know, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the essence. That's the essence of what we would call the good news. It's the essence of the good news that God loved us even while we were turned against him, he loved us, so he gave. He gave to us the greatest gift of all time, his son, to die in our place so that he could pay for our sinfulness and we could have a relationship with God. That is the gospel. That is what Christmas is about. That's what Easter is about. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity rises and falls on the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But listen, I think understanding the gospel causes us to want to give financially back to God. And what should that look like? What should that be like? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, stewardship of money is a critical test of life. 
Everything we handle, our relationships, our influence, our opportunities, including our money, kind of reflect a barometer of our spiritual lives and our true desire to follow Christ. So in introduction today, I just want to say this. Understanding the gospel causes us, or maybe I should have said should cause us, to want to give financially back to God. So let's talk the rest of our time today on what exactly that should look like. The first thing, I think, is this. Giving is investing with God. It's not investing in God. It's not investing for God. It's investing with God. Look at Luke 6, 38. It says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What that's saying is, listen, folks, if we'll give to God, he will give back to us. That's not a dollar-for-dollar exchange. If you give $20 today in the offering, you're not going to get $20 extra this week. But it does say that if we give to God, he will give back to you. Now, what does that mean, that part where it says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? What does that mean? Well, I thought about that this week, and I've decided to have a snack. No, not really. I've decided this is the best way that I can explain kind of what that means. Now, this is a potato chip bag, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. Oh, that smells great. And um, it's, you know, these days, they're only about half full. It's only about full to there already. But if I take these potato chips and I press them down, I shake them together, and I just... I just put them down as small a pieces as I can possibly put. I press them down. I'm jamming more of them in here. I mean, these chips have got a lot of air in them, you know, and and they kind of don't lay like Pringles do. So if I bring this all down to nothing, a little bit of potato chip dust there. By the way, you guys didn't freak out like the first service. I started doing that, and people, you would have thought I would have sacrificed a squirrel on the stage. I mean, they were like, okay. I appreciate you being able to handle that a little better. Okay, so, so the potato chips are down to that. I could get probably seven bags of potato chips into this one bag. If I press them down, if I just jam-pack them in. What that verse is saying is this, folks. Listen, if we give to God, he's going to give back to us, and he's going to just jam it in. He's going to press it down. He's, it's going to be all he can give us. I mean, he's going to outgive us. As we give to him, he's going to outgive us by just giving us more and more and more. And again, folks, that's not always in a financial way. We'll talk about some other ways here in a minute. But he will give back to us when we invest with him. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20, it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, how in the world do we lay up treasures in heaven? By giving to God, by giving to his kingdom, by seeing uh, an investment in his kingdom grow his kingdom. Now, listen, I I want us to think for a minute about this. My giving drives my heart. 
Okay, we have a tendency to live in this culture where we think, well, my heart just decides what it wants to do. Oh, I can fall in love, I can fall out of love, I can fall in love again, I can fall out of love. I mean, my heart just does what it wants to and I'm just, I'm just willy-nilly, uh, uh, just a, a, a slave to my heart. But that's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says when it comes to giving that where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Now, to help you understand that, I've got a $10 bill here attached, or $20 bill, Wow. More than I thought I did. $20 bill here attached to my heart. Okay? And folks, this is just a, this is a spiritual, biblical principle. Our pocketbooks and our hearts are connected. And we cannot, we cannot uh, just believe that they're not. Well, what this is saying is, look, my, my heart is going to follow my money. So if I throw my money over there, my heart's going to follow it. See, if I put $10,000 in a stock this week, well, I'm going to pay really close attention to what that stock's doing, going up or down. In fact, I, I look at my 401k really often to see what's happening. It's not always good news. <laughs> but you see, if I give $10,000 to God this week, I would want to know how that money's being spent. I would want to know how it's, how it's being uh, uh, used for God's kingdom. I would think about how he's using my money to benefit his kingdom and it will actually drive my relationship with him. If I throw my money over there, my heart follows. See, some of you think, you know, I, I, I want to pray every day, but I just can't seem to do it. I just can't seem to think about it. I want to read my Bible every day, but I just can't be disciplined enough to do it. I'd like to think about others every day and serve others, but I just can't get that into my head. Listen, folks, if you'll start giving financially to God's kingdom you'll be surprised at how much your heart will follow your money. I've talked to people who have begun the process of giving, even in this church, and they say it's amazing how much more interested I've become in everything that's happening in the church since I began giving. That's because our pocketbooks and our hearts are attached. We can't deny that. We can't deny that. Besides, Who's more trustworthy to invest your money? Your stockbroker or God? I, I mean, your stockbroker will make me make you a little money here on earth, but God will lay up treasures in heaven. One more illustration, just because this is so important to understand. You know, if you went to a blood bank and you gave blood, and I don't know exactly how much they take out, what is it, like a gallon or something? I'm just kidding. I know. So if they take a pint of your blood, a, a pint of blood, it will take you 36 hours to make enough blood to, to recoup that, okay? That's a physical uh, uh, truth that also has a spiritual principle. Look, folks, when I give to God, it comes back to me somehow. Again, I'm not making you like promises like dollar for dollar, those kind of, but it comes back somehow. It comes back in some kind of blessing to me. That's a physical picture of a spiritual truth. And so it's important for us to understand that as we give, because he's given to us first, his son, as we give, we're investing with him. Secondly, giving should be sacrificial. Look what it says in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44. It says, and he sat down opposite the treasury, this is Jesus, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came in, and she put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow is put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. 
For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So this lady comes, and everybody else is giving, and they're giving a lot of money, because they have a lot of money. And she puts in two little coins. Uh, Today they'd be worth about an eighth of a cent each, so not a lot. But Jesus says to his disciples, hey guys, I want you, come here, pay attention to this, guys. He's, he's taking this teachable moment. He goes, come here, I want to show you something, guys. Look at this. He says, the least amount of money was the greatest gift because it's all she had. Now, I know that some of us believe we give sacrificially. But I want to challenge our thinking, not your thinking, our thinking for a moment. What did you have to give up this week because of what you gave last week? What did you have to go without over the last six days because you gave so much last week on Sunday? Folks, the reality is, for most of us, and I include myself in that, while we may give in in other ways generously, systematically, all the other things we're going to talk about, I would venture to say that most of us don't give sacrificially very often. And I think it's a challenge for us. This woman gave all that she had. In fact, if you look carefully, all she had to live on. She had no idea where her next meal was coming from. She had no idea how she would pay a single bill. But she gave it to God anyway. Now, I'm not asking for all of us to become irresponsible, crazy people and just, you know, sign away everything. But but listen, when I think to myself, what did I give up last week because of what I gave last Sunday? And the answer is nothing. I give up nothing this week. I still went to the same restaurants. I still ate the same food. I still did the same things I wanted to do. I still watched the same stuff on my cable television. I, I did all the things that cost money this last week that I did the week before and the week before and the week before. I think it's something for us to think about. Look what it says in Philippians 4.18 and 19. It says, I received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now Paul's writing here to the Philippians and he's saying, listen, I, I, I got it. I received what you guys gave to me. And I know that it was, it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for you. And then he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It goes back to that first point again, guys. You invest with God, he'll supply our needs. Now, I know some of you are saying, Michael, I know that, that sounds like really good, righteous stuff, but it doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense with numbers. Okay, God's bigger than numbers. I, I get that. But the reality is, folks, our giving should be sacrificial. Our giving should also be proportional. Now, people always say to me, uh, if, if we're talking about giving and, and maybe they haven't done it yet, people always say to me this. They said, you know, Michael, if I had more money, I'd be able to give. You know, if I just got a couple of promotions, then I could start giving. If I just, if I just get to the end of my car payments, uh, then I can start giving. If I get to the end of my house payments, I can start giving. Well, folks, I want to challenge that thing and say that's not true. 
It's kind of like the pastor who went to a farmer and he said, hey, uh, uh, sir, if you had $200, would you give $100 to the Lord? And he said, well, pastor, you know I would. Well, if you had two cows, would you give one of those to the Lord? He said, pastor, you know I would do that. And he said, let me ask you this question. If you had two pigs, would you give one of those to the Lord? And he says, now, pastor, that is not fair. You know I have two pigs. See, the reality is, if you're not giving now, you won't give if you had more. Look what it says in Luke 16.10. It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. What it's saying is, folks, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're going to act the same way. Look, there's a number of articles we can read where we see people who are living kind of destitute lives. They win the lottery, and within three years, they're right back to living the destitute life that they lived before. It's all gone. It's all, it doesn't change their life at all. I mean, they get to buy a lot of stuff for three years, but then it's, it's back to the normal, you know? Why is that? Because if their lives are, are, are just out of control and, and, and totally and completely uh, you know, undisciplined in the beginning... Getting a big bag of money doesn't all of a sudden make you disciplined. You just have more time to be undisciplined. And then you wind up in the same place. And what this verse is also saying is, hey, if you're giving sacrificially now, God will entrust you with more because you've been faithful with a little. Listen, I want God to trust me with a whole bunch of money. Don't you? But that means I have to be really faithful with a little bit first. That means I've got to do the right thing with what I have before he's ready to trust me with more. Kind of related to that is that giving affects spiritual riches. Now, some of you are going to get real uneasy with this. So I'm just telling you, just be ready, okay? Kind of maybe hang on to the chair with both hands. Some of you are going to be really uneasy with this. Look what it says in Luke 16, 11. It says, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? What this is saying is, folks, if you don't handle money, cash, if you don't handle that correctly, you will never be given spiritual responsibility. I remember a story about a father who had a very large sum of money and he wanted to, to see if his son would be able to handle his inheritance. So he gave his son like 5% of what would be his inheritance just to give it to him, see what he would do with it. He went out, spent it all, went crazy, came back, and his father decided he was going to cut him out of the will, make a trust, and have him, get him, have him get just a little bit of this money at a time because he couldn't trust him with the whole thing. He knew that he'd lose his mind if he got all this money at the same, at the same time. Listen, folks, God is giving us his money. By the way, none of it's ours. It's all his. He owns it all. God is giving us some of his money to manage to see if he can trust us with more. It's a character test. He's saying, Michael, I'm going to give you this much money, and I'm going to see how you manage it. I'm going to see what you spend on yourself. I'm going to see what you spend on others. I'm going to see what you save. I'm going to see what you give. I'm going to see how you do all this. And then I'm going to decide, based on your test, if I can trust you with a whole lot more. That's what's going on, folks. He gives us his money to check our character. 
And by the way, spiritual responsibility may be withheld from those that do not handle money wisely. Now hang on to your chair. God may withhold opportunities for you to influence others and be leading in the church if you don't give. Now, I know some of you just heard, oh, to be a leader here, I have to give a lot of money. That's not true at all. Not true at all. It's not what I said. Okay? I have never, in the history of this church, I have never asked Tracy for the giving records to see who's giving a lot of money and said, here are going to be the people who are leaders. Never have I done that. Never will I do that because, one, she wouldn't give me the list, and, two, I wouldn't do it. But here's what does happen, and I don't apologize for it because of this biblical principle right here. When we see a ministry that needs a leader and we say, hey, here's, and the elders go talk, we say, hey, here's, here's somebody I think would have the ability to lead this well, da, 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 da. And I call up Tracy and I say, hey, Tracy, she's our church treasurer. I say, Tracy, does this person qualify? Now, she doesn't tell me how much they give or what the dollars are or how spread. It doesn't, she doesn't give me all those details. She just says either, no, they really don't. Or, yeah, they absolutely do. You can ask them to be a leader. And folks, it's not, because, it's not because money buys influence here. That's not it at all. Don't think that. Don't, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, folks, there is a biblical principle here that we cannot ignore. If you can't be responsible with your checkbook, why in the world would we turn over a ministry to you? It's the same principle for elders, What does the Bible say about elders? Listen, when you are looking at a guy to be your pastor, if he can't control his own family, he has no no right to control the church. He has no right to be a leader in the church if he can't control his own family. Folks, that's just a spiritual principle. I didn't make it up. It's right there. So the bottom line is, if you want to have influence in people's lives, if you want to be a leader and have other people follow you, if you want to be seen as spiritual and do spiritual things in your life, You really have to do the right thing with your money. You really have to be a giver. I hope you're hearing me correctly. We also see in the New Testament that giving amounts are personally determined. In Luke 19, verses 2 through 8. We're going to kind of read a long passage to get to the point, but I think it's important to get to the point at the end, okay? Here's what it says. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. By the way, I was going to sing this song for you, but we don't have time, sorry. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, the reason I wanted you to see what Zacchaeus said there in context was because Jesus did not correct Zacchaeus right there and say, no, Zacchaeus, don't give up 50% to the poor, just tithe 10%. That's That's all I'm requiring of you. 
Folks, we do talk about tithing because there's a biblical principle in the Old Testament that teaches that. And I think that's a real, if you don't give it all, I think that's a really good place to start. But Zacchaeus here says, Jesus, you've made such an impact on my life. By the way, he wasn't even crucified or resurrected yet. All he did was come to dinner. And he said, you've made such an impact on me, I'm giving 50% of everything I own to the poor. And if I, if I took anybody in collecting taxes, I'm going to pay them back four times what I, what I took them for. And Jesus didn't do a thing, didn't correct him, let him do it. See, Zacchaeus determined how much he was going to give based on what he could give, based on how much Jesus had made an impact on him. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I know some people always see this verse and they're like, awesome! That means they don't have to tithe, they can do 2%. Folks, that is not what this verse is saying. What it says is, listen, this this is a heart issue. It's, it's, it's saying, hey, listen, I want to tell you this again. Your heart and your money are connected. You can't get it. Listen, however your heart feels, that's what you give. But listen, this is not about fulfilling the law. This is not about doing some legalistic, I have to do this percentage. What does this verse say? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. We don't twist anybody's arm here. And listen, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. If you're feeling guilty right now, I'm not putting that on you. Okay? I'm saying you can give whatever you want to give. Just don't forget, God sent his son to die for you. Might want to think about it. It's not an effort to manipulate you. Listen, I know if I manipulate you and guilt you into doing something, you'll do it for about three weeks and it'll be over. But if I just give you information and I let God work on you, It'll be a life change. That's how that works. But listen, our our giving is an absolute reflection of our love. If we had the ability on your giving statement, if we knew exactly what you made, we would probably put the percentage of your giving, not just the amount. I think it'd be very revealing. I think it'd be very challenging. And for me, very convicting let's continue on it's not only personally determined but giving is in response to need we see this often in the new testament look at acts 11 verses 27 through 30 now in these days prophets came down from jerusalem to antioch and one of them named agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world this took place in the days of claudius so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Look what it says back there. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief. So we see here that in this particular instance, giving is done in response to a need. Listen, giving should sometimes be done spontaneously. It should be done out of an emotional or spiritual response to need. 
You know, we, we started a new ministry two or three weeks ago. All my Sundays run together from you, so I don't know which, weeks, which week. We started this thing called the Care Portal. We invited you to participate on the city. It's a place where the needs of kids who are in the system, in the uh, uh, child welfare system, if they have a need, uh, it's expressed to churches, and churches have the opportunity to meet those needs. Folks, we have, a, we have an opportunity to do that. And if you aren't on the city, you can put on the back of that connection card, add me to the city, give us your email, you'll get, a, you'll get a, uh, an invitation to the city, which is our church's kind of personal social network. And if you want to be in the care portal, just write care portal, P-O-R-T-A-L, and you'll be in that. And every time a need comes up, you'll get to hear what it is. You'll get to see what it is. And you'll be able to meet that need if you can, if you want to. But listen, giving sometimes is in response to need. Yeah, we should plan things. Yeah, we should be dis, you know, disciplined. All you know, but sometimes we, we just want to love somebody. We just want to help them. And by the way, l- listen. Uh, there, there's also this spiritual principle, this universal principle of life that sometimes uh, we get the help that we have given. Now, the ra- reality is, the reality is, any one of us could go home after church and our house is burned to the ground and we are immediately in need. What if God responded to your needs through others the way that you have responded to others' needs? It's a good question. Something to think about. There's a family in our church that did have their house burned down. The McLaughlins. And, and that next Sunday, we just had everybody bring a gift card. And our church was very generous. Very generous to them. And we helped them. Because, folks, any one of us could find ourselves in that. Let's be careful that we don't get some kind of a pious, I'm in control of my life and I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody's help. Listen, circumstances can change just like that. Just like that. So think about that. Giving is sometimes in response to a need. Also, giving demonstrates love. We talked about that a little bit, but 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 8, look what it says here. This is profound. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, giving. I say this not as a command. See, it's not about legalism. But to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Giving is a love test. Giving is a love test. It is a tangible barometer of how we really feel about God's gift to us. How we respond to Him is a direct correlation of how His gift to us has affected us. Don't forget, our hearts and our pocketbooks are connected. Number eight, 
giving is to be planned. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. It says, now concerning the collection for the saints, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. So he's saying, listen, I'm telling all the churches this. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. What he's saying here is, guys, listen, I don't want to be a burden. Every time I show up, I don't want you to have to take a love offering. Every time I show up, I don't want you to go, oh, Paul's back. Got to take another offering to keep him going another two months before he comes back again. So I don't want you to do that. So instead, I want, by the way, it says each one of you. Do you see that? Each one of you, on the first day of every week, Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Listen, when you come to, to Fellowship of Grace and the offering plate's passed around, we're storing up. We're storing up so that when a missionary calls and says, I need this, we can have the money to help them out. So when a man who comes here like one did yesterday, who's in deep need, we can help him out. It's to be planned. It's to be systematic. And by the way, if you say, listen, I don't give my money here. I give my talent and my time or, or my ideas to the pastors constantly. That's my contribution. Listen, you're not becoming a good steward of your own money. And God wants us to be equipped to do everything well. Uh, listen, I, 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 am, I know nothing about mechanical stuff. Okay? I know where the gas goes in my car, and I know a good place to take to change your oil. That's all I know, okay? I'm a, I'm a fairly decent drummer, but I don't know anything about mechanics. And see, it's not enough that you're a really great servant if your money's out of whack. If you're doing nothing right with your money, it's not enough. God wants us to be disciplined in every area of life. We are proving our church budget today uh, just a coincidence that our budget Sunday is on the Sunday we, we we're going to talk about this anyway. So we're approving our budget today. So at one o'clock today, we're going to have a meeting to talk about our church's budget the next year. And you have an opportunity to see where all the money goes and and what you're you know where, what you are giving to and how many other people and places are benefit uh, by the money that's, that's that's taken here. Okay. And by the way, just so you know. We don't need your money. We're in a great financial position. We absolutely do not need your money. This is not about an appeal. This is not about me looking at our, our, our records and saying, oh boy, we're in trouble. I better do a sermon on money. It's nothing like that. We're in great shape, guys. This is about, this is about your heart and your pocketbook. Okay? So giving is to be planned and systematic in nature. It's also to be generous. Look again at this verse just in, in, uh, uh, back there in chapter 8, verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now that's an interesting verse. It's kind of a mathematical verse. What it says is their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty both are overflowing so they're getting poorer and poorer, and their joy is getting more and more. And what happens? What's the result? Generosity. They're really generous. 
Did you catch that? The poorer and poorer they get, the more and more joy they have. That's because their hearts are not just attached to their money, it's attached to God's kingdom. And so when they give to God's kingdom, and they give to missions, and they see Paul and many other missionaries, and now beginning to spread the gospel all throughout Europe and Asia, we see that joy comes over them. You know, when a parent sends their child to college, it's possible that they get a bill one day for the next semester, and they simply almost have a heart attack. You know, I mean, they open that bill and they see how much money is, oh my gosh, or oh, oh, overwhelming poverty is sinking into my brain. And then the kid gets the grade card their next day. I'm like, wow, this is, this is awesome. They did great. I'm really excited for them. I have this great joy and this great poverty that exists together. And that's what we see there, folks. Don't ever think, don't ever think that the tighter I hold my fist to the stuff I have, the more happy I'll be. Don't ever think that. It's the opposite. The more I live with an open hand, realizing that everything I have is God's and he can take it and do with it whatever he wants to do, that's when my joy goes off the chart. So giving is to be generous. And then lastly today, folks, giving results in blessing. We cannot ignore this. We cannot ignore this. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11 says this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Listen, folks, we've got to just, we've got to internalize, we've got to get this fact that God owns everything. It's his to give and it's his to take away. But New Testament giving cannot be adequately portrayed through tithing by the law. That does not express grace. New Testament giving is so much more Oh, oh, listen, if you've never given before, like I've, I've said before, if you've never given before and you go, hey, I don't know how to do this, let me just start with 10% on this, let me just tithe and see how it goes. Okay, fine, great. But listen, New Testament giving is so much more, so much more. I want you to experience this joy. I want you to experience God's blessing. I want you to experience all the things we're talking about. And if you live like this, you'll miss them all. You'll miss them all. I don't want you to miss them. I don't want you to miss them. I want you to get them. Okay? And so live with a generous open hand, giving to God's kingdom and the things that matter in this earth. And they aren't the things that are on the earth. They're the things that last for eternity. And by the way, by the way, there's only two things that last for eternity. God's truth and eternal souls of men. That's it. So anything we're investing in besides that, the proclamation of God's truth, the furtherance of God's truth in the world, or what results in the eternal souls of men coming to know him, it's really all going to be gone one day. I want to keep investing more and more and more and more in God's kingdom 
because I think that's what he wants and I see my life being blessed by it. I see God doing these things and I want to keep the ball rolling, man. I want to keep it going down. I mean, once that ball gets going downhill, I just want to keep it going. I want you to join with me and, and decide to be a gracious, systematic, generous, sacrificial giver, and let's just see what God does. By the way, I'm going to say one thing here at the end that I know drives the financial people in our church crazy because we can't really do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sorry. Uh, I want you, if you've never given before, I want you to test God in 2016. I want you to say, listen, I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to start giving and I'm going to give what is sacrificial to me at this point and it's this much and I'm going to keep doing it through the whole year. If you get to the end of 2016 and God hasn't blessed your life at all, 100% money back guarantee. If the church won't write you a check, I will personally write you a check. If you can tell me at the end of that of next year, God has not blessed you at all because you started giving. Because folks, God doesn't let people down. God's already blessing your life, but when you start giving, you're going to see it more and more and more. I want you to experience those blessings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it gives us. Father, forgive us for we have been selfish, for we have held on with a tight fist to the things that you have entrusted us with. Father, help us to live our lives with an open hand, being generous, being a sacrificial giver, being willing to give up some things to further your kingdom. Father, just help us to grow in this area. But Father, help us to also understand that our hearts don't change first. We have to make the decision to give, and then you'll move our hearts. Father, we just love you. We thank you for everything you've given us. We acknowledge that everything we have has come from you. And we thank you especially for Jesus, for the greatest gift of all time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.